This is Clean Tech Talk, Clean Technica's podcast series interviewing clean tech leaders from around the world. This episode is being sponsored by Tesla Shuttle. Tesla Shuttle is a city-to-city shuttle service using Tesla vehicles and sometimes other electric vehicles that has routes in the United States, Canada, and Europe. With Tesla Shuttle, you can enjoy luxurious, smooth, and clean intercity transport in the safest cars on the road guilt-free. Book a ride today at teslashuttle.com. We're here for another chat with Rodney Hooper and Howard Klein of RK Equity. Uh, this this time, I hope, definitely make sure you check out the the initial um, articles and podcasts we did um, because that sort of lays the groundwork. Uh, but this episode, we're, we're chatting a little bit. We had a story on a company called Standard Lithium that has a, a kind of exploratory um, new you know new approach to uh, to lithium collection that is not not commercially viable yet not commercially uh, in operation um, in high volume anywhere yet so we had a sort of initial story about the idea the kind of the progress they're making and um, and Elon Musk CEO of Tesla commented on it being promising or or having potential one something like that Um, and so we just wanted to put that in a little bit of context context of what what is currently how you currently get lithium for EV batteries uh, the different processes out there, both old established high volume processes and newer uh, processes, poss- possibly with potential, possibly um, that will will not get off the ground commercially. Um, and I think anything that, that's obviously not not in in high volume commercial operation right now is is not not definite until it's de- until it's done. So I think everyone should always be cautious about. Uh, new approaches until they're commercially viable. So, so I guess what first comment for you guys would be, um, what what can how can you put standard lithium and what it's doing in the context of the broader lithium uh, mining industry? Well, Zach, I mean, to to the front end of your point, I think um, uh, there's a lot of in a similar way that. Um, Elon Musk has said that in in the battery tech world, right? You know, every day, every week, there's some new battery that's going to displace um, the lithium-ion battery, right? And that just is—it's been 15, 20 years in the making. Uh, the lithium-ion battery—it's safe. It's it's you know, it, it, it's the technology. And there may be things in the future, solid state and otherwise, but just treat everything with significant caution. That's not to say standard lithium is you know just one of you know a number of um, uh, companies like that from a battery perspective. They have uh, you know advanced to you know a significant demonstration plant stage. You know they've raised I don't know thirty forty million dollars. They, they unlike so within lithium world right there's I guess four categories. There's uh, hard rock mining which accounts for about fifty percent of the lithium in production today and then there's conventional solars uh, your brines which are in South America which represents about fifty percent. Um, there are other types of rocks which are um, you know in that mix as well then you have two new categories, which are kind of clay sedimentary deposits, um, 
and unconventional brines, which standard lithium fits in the unconventional brine category. So they are a bromine asset. There's also oil field brines. Um, these are uh, you know, spent oil wells that have lithium in them. There's also lithium in geothermal brines. Um, and there's a lot of these actually in North America and it, it, to some degree in Europe. So there's a lot of interest in, can we unlock these unconventional clays or unconventional brines so that we don't have to rely on conventional, you know, Argentina or Chile, which have to some degree, you know, sovereign risk issues. They have, um, you know, indigenous people issues. They have other environmental and water issues. The, the, the recovery rates in a conventional brine are very low, you know, 30 to 50%, you know, of the material goes to waste, you know, and, and, and the rest is, is harvested. So there's a lot of science, you know, in the lithium industry more so than in maybe some other, uh, you know, mining industries. And, uh, you know, so standard lithium is... And just a step in you know, for, for one second. Well, well, I'll, I'll keep going with standard lithium, then I'll, then I'll step in. Yep. Okay, so, so Standard Lithium is, uh, basically, they have a joint venture with a German company called Langzess, um, which operates a large bromine project in Arkansas. And within the bromine is lithium, right? So Langzess considers that lithium waste, or they don't do anything with it. So Standard Lithium approached Langzess and said, we can take your waste and convert it into sellable lithium. And Langzess, as a German company, being very green, said, well, and plus just you know, being a private company, it says, if you can turn my waste into money, you know, that's fantastic. If you could prove, so, so their joint venture essentially is, you know, most lithium development companies own their own resource. In Standard Lithium's case, they don't own their resource. So they're a technology company. Um, that has cut a deal with a company which owns the resource. And they, Langsus has basically said, if you could prove the concept, you could prove that you could make sellable, you know, high purity, um, you know, lithium. In this case, it, it, their strategy is focused on lithium carbonate and not lithium hydroxide, although you could always convert carbonate to hydroxide for, for an extra cost. But they have essentially said to Langsus, Langsus has basically said, I will let you use our uh, bromine facility. I will allow you to uh, build a demonstration plant on our plant. And if you could prove the concept with other people's money, you know, Standard Lithium is a, you know, Toronto, sorry, a Vancouver-based company um, listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange that has raised, you know, about $50 million over the past few years. Uh, to build a demonstration plan, test the technology. Um, and if Langsness and Standard Lithium, they, they come to the conclusion, Eureka, it works, then standard, the deal that they cut is that Standard Lithium will finance the full build out on a commercial scale of the project. And for that, Langsness will get 70% of the company and Standard Lithium will get 30% of the company. Um, you know, the economics of that plan. So from a, a standard lithium point of view, I'm talking just like from a, a capital markets you know, perspective, uh, 
um, Langsys is basically giving them a, or getting a free option, you know, to prove a technology and standard lithium is getting, you know, doesn't have to worry about fully funding, you know, and then having the operating, you know, risk and because a lot of lithium development companies struggle um, in the construction phase, you know, and in the financing phase, because inevitably there are cost overruns, you know, and the, and the like. So when Elon Musk, you know, is reading a clean technical article, you know, at 1130 or 1230 at night <laughs> and, and, and he sees, you know, and he has lithium on his mind and he sees that, you know, lithium is everywhere. And he says, this looks interesting, right? This looks interesting, like, uh, and it is interesting, right? But it's not proven, right? There's still many steps that standard lithium needs to, to go to um, in, in a mining industry context, most mining companies in a traditional conventional mine, you know, if you're exploring for something, you'll advance, you know, to a resource, you'll then move to a preliminary economic assessment, you know, you'll then do another step, which will be a pre-feasibility study, and then you'll do, you know, a final step, which is more a definitive feasibility study, and then you'll, um, you know, seek to get fully funded. Standard lithium is at that most early stage, which is the preliminary economic assessment. So they put out, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they put out like an economic study based on, you know, carbonate prices, which are, you know, quite a bit higher than they are today. Um, you know, and it's an early study, which means the, um, the, uh, the contingency and, and the, um, the, the plus or minus you know, this, I forget how much they said it would cost, you know, $400 million, let's say, you know, but that's plus or minus, you know, 30 or 50%, right? Mm -hmm. As you yeah. move from a, a preliminary study to a pre-feasibility study and you do more detailed engineering, you have better cost estimates. So any company that's not in production in the lithium development space is speculative for sure, right? It's, <laughs> and yeah. it is, uh, but that speculation is based on what kind of economics do you think, you know, this will achieve when and if they actually get into production, right? Mm -hmm. And the economics of the standard lithiums, um, uh, you know, study uh, are, you know, are, are interesting, but the CapEx and the OpEx are, are not materially better, right, than a traditional hard rock mine or a conventional South American brine, for example. However, so it's more, of, it's more of a case of, um, it could be done in locations where, uh, where but North American and European companies need it more or where they're more comfortable, maybe. Absolutely, yes. It's better sovereign risk jurisdiction from a sustainability point of view and a security point of view. If it works, that's attractive. But also the process is you know, if it works is more environmentally friendly, let's say, than a brine solar, right, which is wasting 30 to 50% of what you're producing. I mean, in a brine, you're pumping water out, you know, and then you're evaporating it, you know, and it has a large physical footprint. Here, this is all, uh, you know, inside an existing facility, right, you know, and it's also quicker. The process in a brine solar could take two years before you, you, um, you actually can harvest, you know, the lithium chemicals. In, in this instance, it's a, it's a lot quicker. So it's not well, a, it's not a game changer, right? In like, oh my God, it, it's there's suddenly a huge amount of lithium and we can do it at a lower CapEx and lower OpEx. But 
it is scalable. Uh, and if it works, also another thing is in Brian Solar's, again, 30 to 50% is, is, is the recovery. You also need a lot of reagents and other, like the consistency of the material in a conventional Brian Solar is, is harder. So the, the, you know, the promise of standard lithium is that we can take this waste and we can consistently produce a high purity mm -hmm. lithium carbonate. You know, so that's attractive, even if the CapEx and the OpEx are, are actually even more expensive. But in this case, they're saying right. that it should be on par, but um, there's still a lot of boxes to check. So Elon Musk mm -hmm. is right. It's promising. Uh, whether or not it gets commercialized, like we think in general, Rodney and I think in general, that DLE technologies, this is a direct lithium extraction technology, that's a being applied to a bromine, but they also applied to oil field and, and geothermal. We believe that some of them will work and they will likely contribute to supply, you know, post 2025 in some reasonable volumes, but mm. it doesn't solve at all, you know, a near term shortage problem we, we, we see in lithium hydroxide in particular, and that's gonna need to be met, you know, by more conventional technologies in particular, you know, hard rock, you know, spodumene mines, you know, converted directly to hydroxide. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a great kind of overview that, uh, again, probably more than I was hoping for from you guys. So, so thank you for, for all that context. I would assume, I do assume and that, you know, this is a company and process that Elon has um, been watching anyway. And when he saw the headline, he, he made a comment to, you know, give a little support. Um, not that he learned about it through us, uh, although if, I'm sure he does sometimes learn about things through us. Uh, but um, uh, so you laid out you laid out sort of four methods options for for getting lithium for for EV batteries: hard rock, conventional brine, unconventional brine, and clay sediment. Can you give a kind of uh, like zero to ten scale? of where each of those is as far as an idea versus commercially operational and high volume. And if they're all commercially happening in high volume, maybe a kind of generic breakdown of what's more dominant, what's, what's sort of a niche um, player right now. Uh, so obviously the hard rock and brine alternatives are already in full swing within the brine. Um, there is some uh, unconventional uh, direct lithium extraction happening now. Uh, they do it in China and, and uh, Lavin does, to some extent, it uses traditional uh, brown ponds, but it, then it does a DLE process uh, before, um, you know, in order to improve the quality of its uh, of carbonate that it ships off for, for reprocessing. Um, the one that is is still uh, on the uh, on the block to happen is the sedimentary clay, um, but uh, Ganfen, which is um, the second largest lithium producer in the world, that's bought into a company called Bacanora, so they are going to give clay uh, a run in Me in Mexico at the Sonora project, and then you've got Lithium Americas in in uh, Nevada. So, um, you know, in terms so, of flow sheets, they work, but they, they haven't been put into production at scale. 
Okay. As, far so as, that's... The, as far as the, the DLE goes, I mean, again, it depends on, on the definition of it. And I, I don't want to go. So just high level that is being, that is being, you know, there is uh, some DLE extraction being used, but I think the next generation is going to be more interesting. I, I, I'm not sure to what extent there's great success happening in China with the, um, Kunar brands that uh, have certain impurities, but um, if you remember, Elon Musk bid for Symbol in 2016, and that project is now, he bid for a company called Symbol to buy it out. It was a geothermal brand in, in uh, Salton Sea in California. Okay. It didn't happen. That project has continued and it's now called Energy Source and it has a definitive feasibility, I, I think, and it's it's actually getting close to i think it's it's ready for financing and production but i stand corrected hmm. the appeal with geothermal uh, zach is is you know you're already pumping up the brine to generate the uh, energy so you're not asking mm -hmm. so the lithium guys can treat it already and it's at surface mm -hmm. so so the so hard rock right now is like 90 to 100 90 to 99 percent of of where lithium for EV batteries is coming from, or, or a no. bit different. So, so in terms of hydroxide, it represents a very high portion because you've got um, albumol and uh, ganfen using that material. But again, Lavent uh, uses a brine-based carbonate and then reprocesses that into hydroxide, and albumol does the same, but in a far lesser percentage relative to its utilization of hard rock from green bushes. So uh, in terms of carbonate, there, there, there is, but a, a brine based carbonate is cheaper to make than converting hard rock. If you are a, a, a non-integrated player. So in other words, if you don't have your own spodumin concentrate supply, but even without that, um, at the moment, you know, the lowest cost producers SQM, um, and brines can do it because quite a lot of the um, processing of the lithium happens just by wind and, and sun with the evaporation in the ponds, which increases the grade of the material. So from a, from a carbonate perspective, uh, less of the um, uh, brine represents a, a fairly large portion of that. And then um, hard rock is, is more dominant on the hydroxide side. And, and, and Zach, it's very important to distinguish battery quality lithium um, that goes into an EV battery that Tesla is guaranteeing or VW is guaranteeing for eight or 10 years, which is very significantly hydroxide in Western uh, uh, you know, auto uh, automobiles. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it is carbonate you know, as well in China, you know, Tesla is signing with, you know, CATL and, and, and saying that they're going to use LFP batteries, that that's going to be a battery quality carbonate, battery quality carbonate specifications are a little bit lower, you know, than battery grade hydroxide specifications that go into when I say battery battery for EVs, right? Um, batteries that go into your laptop batteries that go into your phone, um, I guess, it can take a little bit lower quality. Uh, but even lower than that are some of the other applications for lithium, like ceramics and greases and the like, which accounted for the vast majority of 
lithium demand historically. So energy storage, batteries and the like, now account for about 60% of all of lithium consumed. That number is going to be that number is going to be 85% in five years, right? The EV is the killer app, right, for the lithium-ion battery. But the quality of the lithium that goes into those batteries is much, much higher than it has been historically. So when Rodney says SQM is the biggest producer, is the lowest cost, you know, there's a mentality out there that these vast solar ponds in you know, Chile, and there's lithium everywhere, right? Elon Musk says there's lithium everywhere. That's true, but he also said, you know, converting you know, solars and converting clays into high purity hydroxide is the hard part, right? So, and, and that is hard, and no one's doing it um, in a consistent way uh, you know, to hydroxide, except for livent um, and no one's doing it at all for clay. So uh, what goes into most of Tesla batteries, you know, is hydroxide and most of that hydroxide is coming. When he says, I get my lithium from Australia, he doesn't really get the lithium from Australia, he gets the spodumene rocks from Australia, which then go into Albemarle and Ganfeng's hydroxide conversion plants. And then those hydroxide conversion plants ship their, um, you know, lithium hydroxide to cathode maker in Japan, Sumitomo, which puts it into Panasonic, which then gets. Into yeah, I got, here. I, I got at some point the emphasis on EV battery grade. And so I was, uh, I have been trying to be clear on that when I mentioned, li- when I have questions or statements on lithium, like EV for, for EV batteries um, to try to help people, um, be accurate and, and help people think about that. But that's a good good, good uh, background there on that. Um, so you've mentioned a few of these major companies um, previously and, and in, in this call as well. Uh, obviously, we started off talking about standard lithium because it's in the news. Can you maybe give like a, a brief overview of, you know, two or four or five kind of early stage companies like this, uh, not just an idea on paper, but, but um, making a bit of progress or has, have, have a bit of potential um, that are, you know, on the horizon, speculative, but, uh, but something to consider in, in any of these fields, any of these. Sure. Uh, well, so Every, I, 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 again, to given the volume of tweets uh, that Elon has spent on lithium, uh, I tweeted at him my um, Mr. Market scoreboard, right? So every month I, I publish a, a list of producers, you know, funded, you know, developers, you know, of, of which is only one, you know, and then a list of about 30 um hopefuls, you know, companies that are at either very early stage of development, they could be five or, you know, 10 million market cap, you know, up to, you know, 150 million market cap companies, which include a company like Standard Lithium, uh, which is less market cap than that, but have raised $50 million, have advanced, you know, to a a PEA or or a pre-feasibility study level. So, Rodney just mentioned one in Bacanora. They've been around for a long time. They're in Mexico and uh, they have brought in 
a partner in Ganfeng, the second biggest lithium producer in the world, uh, in my opinion, um, uh, you know, that is the most likely clay project to be um, uh, to prove the concept in clay, right? The other asset that he talked about, you know, Lithium Americas in Nevada, I speculated, I wrote in a, in a note, you know, in May, you know, which lithium company might test the buy. And I just totally speculated, you know, it might be Lithium Americas. Uh, I'm, I'm much less certain about that. That was pure conjecture. But um, if like clay is really hard, right? And Ganfeng's the best comp processor in the world. So um, I think traditional investors are going to be very skeptical and cautious in going into a clay deposit because um, this is a risky business. You got to put up five hundred, six hundred million dollars, and if you if you have in front of you a conventional hard rock play and a clay, and then they're showing you you know similar you know economics, it's much less risky to do the hard rock than it is to do the clay. However, uh, Elon Musk thinks differently. Um, you know, the clay resource in Nevada is very big. And uh, so 100%, you know, conjecture. I guess a question on that, though, is they've been there for a while. Um, is it, uh, I mean, if it was going to happen, is it hasn't happened so far because they just didn't need it, there's enough supply, um, or potentially it, it was more challenging than they realized. Uh, I, I mean, the way you guys, the way you guys talk about it, lithium has been pretty abundant and cheap uh, lately. So there wouldn't be much incentive to, to do any, anything there, right? But well, let, let, let's think of it in this way. Lithium has been growing, you know, eight to, before EVs took off, lithium was growing eight to 10% a year, uh, you know, from, um, you know, a base of 150,000 tons a year, right? So if, if let's say it's 10% on 150,000, that's 15,000 tons of lithium needed. Since EVs have taken off, uh, lithium has been growing 15 to 20% a year. So uh, from, uh, and but last year it grew uh, about 15%. So it grew 15% off of a base of 275,000, right? So it grew, um, you know, maybe 40,000 tons. Now, if you just take that, so the market today is 300,000 tons. If you're growing 15 to 20% a year, every year, you know, for 10 years, okay, in five years time, the market will be 500 or 600 million tons, and then 20% growth on 500, I say million, 500,000 tons. So 20% growth on 500, thousand tons means you need a hundred thousand new tons that year right mm -hmm. and the year after that you need another hundred and twenty thousand tons right so the past few years as the model three has just started taking off and that's really the only um, you know car selling in, in real volume and global penetration of evs is only like two percent right we're we're at two percent with kind of hopes projections to go to 25 or more percent by 2025. So that's a humongous uh, exactly. increase. Exactly. So, and he could build a, a, a gigafactory in China in one year, right? Or, you know, and in Austin, but mines take five years, right? So we're at this tipping point. Where and you guys, emphasize, you guys emphasize at least five to seven years. So it's like... <laughs> like yeah, it, yes, but, but a, 
that said, a number of companies are in year three, you know, of that five to seven year time frame. Okay. Right. So it's not like every single mine. So there has been investment, but the investment's not happening, you know, because you've had a bit of a price uh, collapse in the past two years, it's been in a bear market. Some companies have slowed their progress, but not all. Um, you know, back in Nora could have gotten financed, you know, two years ago, uh, you know, but Lithium Americas or Ioneer, you know, or Piedmont Lithium, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're standard lithium have been advancing their studies. They've been able to raise the capital that they've needed uh, in that time frame. So I, I, I would not suggest that standard lithium or Ioneer or, um, you know, you know, or, or, or Piedmont has really been slowed down in any way by this downturn, but they need to get to that point of, let's say, definitive feasibility study, you know, before they raise their 400 to $500 million. So every company needs to spend, call it 40 to $60 million before they then need 400 to $500 million. Okay. okay. And in America, I believe I'm a big believer. Like I think the market's going from 300,000 tons today to 2 million tons by 2028 or 2030. So just in the next 10 years, 1.7 million new tons need to be produced. And by Rodney's calculations, it's probably about 75 new plants of 20,000 tons of processing capacity each. And of those 75, about 50 of those are hydroxide. Okay, so hydroxide is growing faster. Hydroxide, you know, has a greater need. And within America, you know, and you could also in North America, you know, including Quebec and, and um, Ontario, as well as Sonora, but even just within the United States, there are a lot of lithium resources. And I think right now we only produce 10,000 tons of processed, you know, lithium hydroxide. It's all in North Carolina, um, you know, from Albemarle and Livent. But I believe, you know, as, as a goal, as an objective, you know, for the country, you know, that we could have 20, 30% market share of the, the total lithium processing, uh, you know, industry, uh, which is both processing, you know, and it also is uh, of mining and extracting. And so there's Piedmont lithium, you know, in North Carolina, which is a conventional hard rock that's identical, you know, and, and better in many ways than uh, the, the lithium hard rock that's being produced in uh, Western Australia that then goes to China. There's currently no conversion of hard rock material outside of China, right? It's all in China. So Piedmont's concept is we're just going to do everything that China's doing, like Ganfeng's doing, um, mm -hmm. and we're going to build it in North Carolina. And then we can build it with our own resource, or we can take, you know, the amounts of spodumene that's in Australia or Brazil or Quebec and process it there in North Carolina. So I think that's an extremely promising when i say 20 to 30 percent market share america could have 20 to 30 percent of a 2 million ton market that's 400 to 600,000 tons of let's say lithium hydroxide i think which is, which is more than today's market exactly right? exactly yeah. and, and i think i think piedmont and the hard rock to hydroxide which is the the, the cheapest way and the most consistent way you know and the most proven way 
um, and, and to, to make lithium hydroxide is, could be 100,000, you know, to 200,000 of those three to 400,000 tons. Right? Well, it's so funny, that's, as, that's, as, as someone who lived in North Carolina for a few years, it's, it's funny to come into a new, new field conversation and be uh, Albemarle and Piedmont getting thrown around you know like these these are you know you know there's albemarle county over there in, in north carolina that you know probably if, if you're in the area you know these are familiar names uh but they're names i haven't heard in a decade or more because it's uh it's just uh, very regional but um well that, the, that that area of your life uh it can the southeastern united states is is very significantly where a lot of the auto and battery plants right. are being built but it also has a lot of chemical knowledge, like Dow and DuPont, you know, are in neighboring states. And, uh, you know, Martin Marietta is like an aggregates company that are headquartered in North Carolina. They're 15 billion market cap. So it, North Carolina is a very mining friendly state. It's a, also a, a, the number two solar state. You know, Duke Energy is, a, uh, you know, a nuclear and one of the most forward looking utilities. So North Carolina has an amazingly positive attribute, similarly to standard lithium operating in Arkansas. So the southeastern United States is an exceptionally attractive place to develop, you know, uh, chemical mining and processing we, um, we have, expertise. Yeah, and we have SK Innovation. They're building a big battery plant in, in Georgia. Um, so exactly. it, it sort of, you sort of get the feeling or sense like we're at a baby phase and, you know, there's, there's people, whether it's Elon or, or Northvolt CEO, Peter Carlson, talking about, you know, long term be ideal to have uh, more, more of, the, more of the, the process, the production chain uh, regional, not going across the world five times, um, you know, not going from it, 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 South exactly. America to China to U.S. to Japan to the U.S., you know, it's, uh, so it just makes sense, obviously, at a certain uh, global scale. So you would see that kind of, you you could sort of envision that you know kind of southeast U.S. as a, becoming a big regional market for the whole or, or a lot of the process. And just, so, just just imagine. Sorry to cut you off. Just imagine you're 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 mining rock in North Carolina. You're converting it twelve miles away, okay, into <laughs> lithium hydroxide, and that is then sent, you know, uh, you know, 50 or 100 miles away to a cathode plant that's not yet built, but, you know, is surely going to come, Umicore or POSCO or others, you know, will build more cathode plant in, in that region. You just imagine it, POSCO could sell to SK Innovation in Georgia, and they could also sell to LG Chem, you know, in, in Michigan. And that, those will go into GM's cars and they'll go into Volkswagen's cars. So Volkswagen's in Tennessee. So the supply chain could be all within a couple of hundred miles of each other and also, you know, sold to the Austin Gigafactory. So yeah, that, maybe, that, maybe shipped around on te Tesla semi-trucks or Mercedes uh, <laughs> Daim Daimler se semi electric semi-trucks. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's, that paints a good picture. Um, so I think it was, I don't know, maybe four Four years ago, maybe uh, I was uh, interviewing Michael Liebrich, uh, co-founder of or founder of Bloomberg New Energy Finance. Uh, of course, when he founded it, it was New Energy Finance that got sold to Bloomberg and renamed Bloomberg New Energy Finance. But uh, we talked about this. We we were co we were co-hosting a conference in the UAE in, in Abu Dhabi uh, 
which I should remember the year, but I'm not sure what year it was. Uh, and uh, this this topic of lithium shortage uh, had was starting to come up then. And there was, you know, I guess I think there was over hype on the risk, like, you know, like kind of um, a little bit too too much like this could be the end of EVs, you know, like this could kill, you know, kill EVs. So there was too much overhype of, you know, this is how much lithium is produced. So EVs are dead. Uh, so we, we talked about this topic and he emphasized uh, they, they weren't concerned long-term because with all, you know, and like we saw in solar, like we saw in other fields, many other fields. Uh, yeah, there's a capacity limit as demand rises, investment goes in and capacity increases as capacity increases, costs come down, and more, more invest, and more investment comes in as needed. So it was kind of like, yeah, prices will spike, but then investment will be triggered, and you know the investment community will will come in and deliver and, and help pull uh, pull it forward. Um, so I guess the question, thinking about that, is, you know, what is the what is you know we'll hammer this home again. What is the stage of the investment community looking at this right now? Is it like um, it, is it under acknowledged how much potential and and need there is for for big time investors to come into to the lithium and, and nickel mining market? Is it kind of like it's on people's radar? They just they're looking at it. They're just you know they're connecting the dots and they're, they're just you know one step here and there is, is what's needed. Is it? Um, I assume it's not saturated. Zach, I think you're 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 fundamentally taking it as a, a, a foregone conclusion. You're sitting there in your Tesla that like everybody in the world recognizes that electric <laughs> vehicles are taking over the world, yeah. right? It, 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 there's still a lot of skepticism, right? It's only been recently that Elon Musk has proven that you know you could be profitable, and you know his stock has taken off. And right. uh, it was just a few months ago in COVID that we were talking about okay. Uh, who's, who could afford a car, right? And yeah. um, and this is twenty. I was going to say earlier, this is twenty twenty. So any <laughs> any anything five months ago feels ancient, and anything five years ago is like another era of humanity. Is like so so definitely time frames. But but you're highlighting a really important point, and and I'll let you keep talking. But I'll just uh, I think there has been with this with the spike in Tesla stock this year, I have noticed, and I think a lot of people have noticed. A ton more interest in EVs and ton more awareness of what's happening than we saw before. I mean, the stock has brought awareness to the industry. Interestingly, a hundred percent. And the, the the fact that you and I and, and Rodney are talking so frequently, and and that Elon Musk is tweeting so frequently about lithium and nickel, is because. Um, it, people are starting to understand what we've been saying, what others have been saying for the past three, four years. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. But, you know, a few years ago, you, you needed to convince people, you know, about lithium demand, right? Because you had to convince them that the EV story was coming. You, now, you don't need to convince people about EV demand, right? They, um, or lithium demand, because they, they understand that EVs are taking other good. It's just really a question of, of when. Um, and within the lithium industry, there, there's there's plenty of haters of lithium, like there are haters of Tesla, right? You know, as much as there are you know promoters of lithium as there are promoters of Tesla. So you have this. Oh my God! A few years ago, they were talking about a lithium shortage, but wait a minute, there's tons of lithium, so it's like crazy abundant. So 
where's the reality? There's, there's a lot of friction in the market about that. You see, the price went down. It's abundant. I told you, no problem. Right? <laughs> this, new, this nuance of, you know, battery quality is, you know, is, is not widely known. So lithium is abundant. We're not going to run out of lithium, okay? It, it, we're not, okay? But that doesn't mean, you know, oil is abundant and oil has been abundant for 200 years or however, whatever, the 100 years of the um, internal combustion engine, uh, you know, and oil companies and gas companies and, and petrochemical companies have had booms and busts. It's been an extremely profitable place to, to invest money in, in uh, oil and gas uh, technologies over the past hundred years. Okay. Because it's abundant, you're not going to switch from it. So you're not mm -hmm. going to switch from lithium. Lithium is the irreplaceable element. So therefore you could have high degree of confidence that we will get to that 2 million tons. If it's not 2030, it could be a little bit after that, but that's also only the beginning. That's 25 to 30% penetration. If you're someone who believes we're going to hundred percent penetration, you know, this is a multi-decade need to develop lithium resources, which is why new technologies and new approaches, you know, like DLE and clay will be necessary in time. And new, you know, um, mental capacity needs to be, you know, uh, put in R&D to, to do things in a more efficient way. You know, there hasn't been a lot of technology brought to bear um, on lithium extraction over, even though it's a 60 year old industry, it's still a very small industry. So there's a lot of room for innovation. And, but even in hard rock mining, right? You, you know, it, it's not like that's like just some, uh, you know, some ancient you know, technology. There's still actually mining and producing spodumene concentrate and then converting that through a roasting process uh, to battery grade hydroxide. There's a lot of science that goes into that. And there are tweaks around that science that can make it, you know, more efficient and maybe less, you know, wasteful or more, you know, lower carbon footprint. All of those things um, uh, need to be applied. But the, again, Elon Musk saying lithium's abundant, right? So anyone who's going to invest in lithium, they like to hear that it's rare, right? You know, if it's rare, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it's rare, then the stock, then the price is going to go up. If the price is going to go up, then the equities are going up. If it's common, right? Then oh, you know, I could just get it. It's just a commodity. It's very easy. So that's not the case. So that there are companies like Albemarle, there are companies like Livent, there are companies like Ganfeng. That there's only three that are qualified who actually can make a product that Tesla is willing to kind of guarantee in their battery. It's not just like any, you know, any old company can get qualified, but for a junior company like Piedmont or standard, the standard lithium would partner with Langsness, you know, but like for a, a newcomer, whether it's Lithium Americas or, or some other company developing a product and then becoming qualified by Tesla, okay? It's possible they'll be acquired by a bigger company um, mm -hmm. but Tesla very well might qualify, you know, a Piedmont lithium in two years or three years once their product is, is ramped. Um, they, once their factory is ramped, but that, that whole procedure, when Rodney talks about five to seven years, okay, you've got to build the mine, you know, you've got to permit the mine, you've got to finance the mine, then you've built it, then you need to ramp it. Then you're making the material and consist, you know, in, 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 um, in size, you know, it needs to be qualified. It needs to be tested like um, 
steel or, or tires or, you know, but, but even more rigorous um, to, to be an approved supplier to, uh, you know, you know to, to, to Tesla. But if you achieve that, okay, then the, 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 um, the holy grail for those developers is that if you could achieve that at a low cost, let's say you're producing it at four or $5,000 and you're selling it for 10 or $12,000, you, you could make you know, 50, 60% EBITDA margins. And if you're making 60, 50, 60% EBITDA margins, you're selling, you're making a hundred millions of EBITDA. The market puts, you know, a 10 or 12 multiple on you, you know, a company like Piedmont, you know, or Standard Lithium, again, or Standard Lithium, they only own 30% of it. But if you own a hundred percent of your project and you're getting a hundred percent of that EBITDA, uh, you know, they could be one and a half, two billion, $3 billion companies. Ganfeng today, Ganfeng, a, a Chinese company, produces only 56,000 tons of lithium. Okay? They have a 10 billion market cap. They started 20 years ago from nothing. They've gone from zero to a billion dollars in revenue to 10 billion in market cap in a much slower growth period for lithium. Right? When did you, so, say, when did you say they started? About 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Okay. Uh, yeah, and well, it's a um, it's a fascinating topic, and, and I mean, we it's uh, take a short sideshow, then we'll wrap up for this one. But um, we we visited uh, Tesla's seat factory last year um, in in Fremont, in California, and uh, it was an interesting thing because first of all, we're the only only media site that's ever toured it, I think, still. Um, but there were the the top guys at the seat factory told us that there were three maybe three or four major seat manufacturers for all the automakers um one of them came from one, one of those companies one of them came from volvo i think um so you had the situation of there's three major seat manufacturers uh and you know they make what they want to make for dozens of automakers and you buy what they make and um tesla had special needs so they ended up building their own seat factory and they're they're now their own seat producer and that's uh, no one else does that uh that's just seats so you know so there's a lot of expectation when when they open the gigafactory in nevada hey how how deep is tesla going to get in order to secure its supply chain in order to get its um uh get what it needs and so there's a lot of expectation back then of of tesla potentially getting into mining and elon mentions it from time to time i guess the uh the question I'd like to explore on another call with some prep is um, if Tesla or Volkswagen or GM or someone else decided to go this route, uh, what would that mean? How would that look? Like, what would they do? Um, I if think they, if, I can in here briefly is that their preference mm -hmm. is still to have a futures exchange. Mm -hmm. trading lithium so that you effectively like you would aluminium or anything else is a five-year futures curve including nickel i don't know how liquid it is so i think their preference has always been to do um you know a sort of offsetting of supply and demand through a financial exchange rather than getting involved in the mining side of it mm -hmm. um, the problem of course is um Trying to do a futures on lithium is like trying to do a futures on fingerprints. They're all different. Uh -huh. um, 
you know, it's, it's, uh, they, they try, they try a little bit in spodium and concentrate because you can sort of put high and low values on it. Um, but for, for, for battery, um, for battery quality chemicals is difficult and, and everyone has, uh, has different needs. And I think people prefer the, um, having an opaque market so that competitors don't know who's doing what, but, um, uh, again, to reiterate what we spoke about last time, I still think a strong preference would be still going the off-take route or a um, streaming, you know, physical streaming deal. Getting into mining owns, opens up a whole nother yeah, that's why I would, <laughs> for com companies to deal with. That's um, why I would, I would only tackle it as a separate uh, standalone, I think, uh, conversation just because... Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be in the mainstream discussion about what's happening. And, but on the other hand, I'm sure a lot of people are very curious about what it would mean and what it would take and all that stuff. So it would be interesting to, to get into, but, but uh, yeah, you make good point, strong point. And it seems like what you guys have highlighted in, in Elon's public statements recently is uh, a push. <laughs> like they, they probably wouldn't, if they were doing, if they were looking at that internally, they might not be pushing so hard well, I mean, they could do both, but they—they're pushing quite okay, hard I mean, on the on the market is, right now. Yeah, this 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 comes up if you are going to launch the Tesla Semi and the Cybertruck next year off the mm -hmm. back of the Model Y this year and the Model Three, your <laughs> demands are off the grid. And then you're talking about not only Austin but also doing it in Germany, and an expanding Shanghai, so and an expanding Nevada, so. You know, where, where uh, Tesla is ahead of the game, I guess, as, as I've mentioned before, is they are only an EV company. So battery raw materials is everything. Whereas a normal internal, you know, a normal automaker is still worried about how much he's making off his internal combustion engine car. Mm -hmm. So who's like, more likely to source their material first is always going to be Tesla ahead of the others. I think they've figured mm -hmm. that out. The, the point I always raise as well is in Europe, it's not, it's not optional. You, you know, if you, if your uh, fleet average is above right. 95 grams or whatever weight adjusted, but let's just call it 95 grams. It's going to cost you 9,000 euros a car to not sell a, a battery electric vehicle at zero. So yeah, can you really European... afford to be negligent on raw materials? I, I don't think so. Yeah, and the European market this year is at about 10% EV market share already. Um, so, of course, a very down market, uh, a lot of a lot fewer sales because of the COVID stuff. But um, but you can see that's that's uh, front of mind there. And um, so that yeah, but but the it sounds like the just the, so the look growth at is look at 2021, Zach. Look at 2021. So we've got he wants Austin, Texas, and he wants um, and he wants. Uh, Berlin and also, you know, growing in the other, in all four locations. At the same time, one could, on the assumption that there's going to be no recession next year and we're out of this COVID, God willing, um, you're going to have an uptick in general auto sales in Europe, which means, and remember the CO2 emissions next year, the 5% exclusion of your worst emitting cars falls away next year. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the super credit factor drops from 2 to 1.66, not to mention the fact that quite a few automakers are using up their super credits this year to meet the um, emission penalties, which means 
if you think that the penetration rate's higher this year in Europe, it's going to be a lot higher next year in order to avoid the fines. So you've got all of those. Then you've got in 2022, you've got a whole lot of battery cell plants coming online in Europe and everywhere else. But I'm more confident that the ones in Europe are going to come online and operate at a higher capacity. So you have a perfect storm of a number of competing parties looking for supply next year. Um, and I, I'm still looking to, and you know, just, yeah. And that's just... And that's just next year. <laughs> so we're not talking 2025. We're talking 2021. But um, next year is a big bump year because you yeah. have a lot of things going on. But I never expected uh, Elon Musk to push for the cyber and the semi in the same year. Yeah. In one go when the Model Y is still coming. But And the cyber, I mean, it remains, a, a, you know, a, open for debate but it's likely to have a pretty decent sized battery pack to move a, a, a car of i know it's not that heavy with some of the with how it's manufactured but but it's still going to be pretty heavy so it's going to need a decent battery pack and then the semi has an enormous battery pack yeah yeah well you guys gave a great overview of the landscape I, there's topics here that i, I want to get into another time because uh, they could be whole conversations I think you gave a really good overview of, of what's happening, the established players, up-and-comers, and potential uh, for growth um, in different ways. So thank you very much. Our pleasure, Zach, anytime. Uh, it's a critically important uh, topic and uh, very important to keep spreading the word and educating investors um, about the need, but also investment opportunities to help get you know these mines financed and into production so that you know, we can meet the EV sales objectives. It's always good to chat. Um, I don't want to open up some other things that I could say, but um, with avenues, we can discuss that next time in terms of how to potentially improve the EV uh, you know, penetration rate potential by 2025 using different chemistries, but we'll, we'll tackle that. Yeah, that's a good a, te a teaser for next time is good. So, so you, it's a you basically just, a teaser for yeah. next time is if you if you allow if if you push for the adoption of more LFP, that can be mm -hmm. carbonate based, and the route to you know production and in, in and qualification in carbonate is easier than hydroxide. So, as long as you know there's application certainly in China and, and the shorter range vehicles, if you go for it, then that can ease some of the some of the um, the difficulties of, of what hydroxide is going to face in the near term. Cool. So that's a good teaser, and people listening can do their homework and try to be prepared for Rodney and the Howard will share share with with us and, and discuss. Uh, thanks again, guys. Uh, lithium rocks. Uh, check in next time to get your lithium fix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Mike.